Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones, it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss the breathtaking experience of tagging sharks. Salespeople who are actually good people and secret access to unpublished books. Sharks, salespeople, and secrets. Oh my. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. Dan, is it okay to talk briefly about your mom? Hey, 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 this is my mom we're talking about here. <laughs> Behave yourself. All right, absolutely. Always, always. I would never dream of being anything but kind to your mom. Uh, you shared recently that she had listened to a past episode. Yay, thanks for being one of our listeners, Mrs. Gingis. And she texted you about me. Uh, do you care to share that text with our listeners? Well, yeah, it was one of our early episodes where you admitted to people that you had gone axe throwing. Uh, and so my mom writes to me and I quote, so your podcast partner is an axe thrower hmm, with a smiley face. I love it. Yes, indeed. I am an axe thrower, Mrs. Gingis. And after a recent experience, you can add shark tagger to my experiential resume as well. I'm sorry. Did you say shark tagging? Yes, indeed. Shark tagging. There is no way your mom is going to let you hang out with me anymore, Dan. That is absolutely no true. Way. I think this podcast <laughs> is over. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, you know, when you're growing up and your mom says, you're known by the company you keep. You shouldn't hang out with that bad boy. Uh, yeah, when she finds out I was shark tagging, not going to happen. It's over okay, before. So, okay, start. yeah. But the first thing, though, is. What exactly is shark tagging? All right. Shark tagging is a scientific process that I got the chance to experience thanks to my new friend, Austin Gallagher, and his team at Beneath the Waves. So Austin leads a team that includes a bunch of scientists, and he took a bunch of entrepreneurs, which I was lucky enough to be one of them, uh, with questionable levels of sanity, out into the ocean off Nassau in the Bahamas. And we proceeded to catch sharks bring them up onto the boat, take a series of measurements, pull some blood samples, install some tracking and monitoring devices, and then let them back into the water to swim away. Whoa. Okay. So that sounds intense and like a lot of activity with sharks. How long did all this take? Well, once we caught the sharks and reeled them in, their total time on the boat out of the water was about five to eight minutes each, depending on the size of the shark. Um, I should also say for all of our listeners that might be concerned about the health and welfare of the sharks, uh, during this time, we were doing everything possible to keep the shark calm and properly hydrated, uh, which basically involved pouring bucket after bucket of water over the shark and uh, if i'm being honest the scientist in the process so everybody pretty much got soaking wet uh -huh. i think i finally figured out your role in this process you were the water boy 
You, my friend, are correct. Yes, indeed. That was the role that I got to play and was probably the most qualified thing, uh, the thing that I was most qualified to do of all the activities that were happening. All right. So in all seriousness, this sounds absolutely incredible. Can you give us some more details? Yeah, it really was. I mean, it, this is definitely one of those experiences that I will not forget. Uh, it was not only in many ways uh, an eye-opening experience, but a very adrenaline-filled, exciting experience. So so here's a couple of things that were really interesting about it. Um, Austin and his team were so welcoming. We learned a ton about sharks. We got to contribute to cutting edge research on one of the most important animals in the ocean. And I was able to get a much better understanding of the misunderstood animal, the shark. Uh, the Beneath the Wave teams did an incredible job while we were out there of blending experience with information and fun and combining everything into a day on the ocean that to be frank, I, I'm never going to forget. Not only will I not forget anytime soon, I'm never going to forget. All right. So come on, man. Delve into the details. What was going on all there? All right. All right. So this 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 is one of those uh, examples where we're going to be dissecting the experience. Okay. So first, Austin got us all together to do a briefing on shore, explaining the scientific process behind the tagging, sharing data from some of their past expeditions, and setting expectations for what it would be like to be out on the water uh, with these incredible animals that a lot of people are afraid of. Then he did another briefing right before we got on the boat. So we we took some buses to the water. Um, and right before we got on the boat, he explained all of the safety precautions that his team had taken and walked us through where on the boat we would be standing, how we'd be getting involved, when they would kind of call us forward to participate, the timing and sequence of the event. He really kind of outlined everything that we would be doing during our time on the boat. All right. So it sounds like you were well informed and prepared, but I, I want to stop you for one second because I still want to understand, like, sort of what's the purpose of the tagging process? Can you tell our listeners that? Yeah. So the, the purpose of the tagging process is sharks. We, we all know what sharks are, right? We, we've heard about sharks. We know they're in the ocean. We know they play this really significant role. What scientists know is that sharks are responsible for maintaining the balance of the entire ocean. What I mean by that is the fish that sharks feed on feed on other little fish and it kind of goes down the chain. They're the top feeder in the ocean. And so what's fascinating is for, and, and this is probably painting it in the wrong light, but for the like apex predator of the ocean to not be as understood as well as we should or could uh, is a big problem. And with climate change and with rapidly depleting fish stocks and overfishing and increased population and coral bleaching and the death of coral reefs and all these things that are happening in the ocean that are incredibly important and are impacting the entire planet and every one that lives on the planet sharks they believe are kind of a, a secret key that like if we can if we can watch what's going on with the sharks we'll be able to have a better understanding of the ocean in general and so the whole tagging process is about putting monitors on the sharks that allow them to track how the sharks navigate through the water where they spend different months how far do they go do they come back to certain places you know one thing that they don't know that austin shared with us they don't really know 
know if sharks have their babies in the same area every year or in different areas, or if they have them out in the deep ocean or in the shallow waters. Like there's a lot of major questions that you think we would have figured out by now, given how long humans have been fascinated with sharks, but they haven't. So that's kind of the, the purpose. And Austin and the team at Beneath the Waves, forgive me if I've just grossly oversimplified uh, what you're trying to do with your research, but that was kind of my takeaway as to why this is important and why we needed to pay attention. Okay. And, and, you know, to be fair to our listeners, this is not a science show. This is a customer experience show. And so we are not (laughs) claiming to be scientists here. So I I mean, this is, it sounds fascinating. It it sounds like an incredible experience. And and what I love is that they've clearly uh, shared with you the background and the science and the reasoning and, and frankly, why they're so committed to all of this research. And, you know, that's obviously important because you are the customer in this case, if I can sort of bring it back to what our show is about, you know, in the, in the sense that they're taking you out on this trip and, and they're showing you what it is they do. And when you see that the people that are kind of running the show, uh, you know, that they're not just bringing you out as a tourist, but that this is something that they're really committed to and interested in, I, I think that it it sort of naturally gets you more interested in it. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you get the chance to experience someone working in their zone of genius or working in something that they feel incredibly passionate about, it's going to be a captivating experience. And as if these folks' verbal stories and their commitments and the things that they told us about why this was important wasn't interesting and neat enough, watching their diver photographer, Sammy, jump into the ocean with an underwater camera every time there was a shark on the line was proof of their total dedication. To and the you didn't volunteer for that job? I actually did. And they were like, yeah, no, Ricky, you do not get to go. I was like, so do you need another guy to like hold the help hold the camera? And they were like, sir, stay on the boat. Step back. Um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty classic. I, I will say, I think one of the coolest things about the experience overall was the way the scientists got the entrepreneurs on the trip involved in the process. I mean, as you mentioned, I, I'm not a scientist. I'm a business person, the other people, the other entrepreneurs that were on the boat, they're business people. And the scientists really went out of their way to involve me and my colleagues. Some of my colleagues got to take the measurements, some were recording data, some were helping with the tracking devices. It was super cool across the board. And even just watching the scientists work and being that close to the reef sharks and the tiger sharks, the two species we got the chance to uh, work on, was not only remarkable, because I'm obviously talking about it here on the show, but it was a really incredible and meaningful experience. And I think you forgot to reiterate that some people got to be the water boy. Some people did get to be the water boy. Hey, I will tell you, and and I realize this may sound a little self-promotional, but uh, my wife was on the boat with us and she noticed that the head scientist did say the shark greatly appreciates how much you are keeping it hydrated. And I was like, okay, I'm doing my job. Like, you know, I I can do this. And it's it's not a particularly easy job, if I must say, to take a 20-gallon bucket, fill it with water, get it back onto the boat go over, pour it over the shark, and then go refill it. And to do that straight for about eight minutes while you're rocking back and forth in the ocean and there is a shark 
in front of you. Um, it, it was definitely one of those things where I was like, I, I may be making a poor life choice here, but you know what? I'm having a lot of fun. Still, in the Barrett, if you are listening, I, I, I humbly request that you start referring to your husband as water boy as often as possible. <laughs> I, I think he deserves that. So, okay, Joey, uh, I, I, mean, I have to ask, like, were you scared during any of this? Like it, it kind of sounds like it could have been scary. You know, I, uh, to be completely honest, I'm actually more afraid of lawnmowers and vending machines. Um, okay, lawnmowers and vending machines? I don't get it. Well, here's the deal. More people die each year from lawnmower accidents and vending machines falling over on them than die from shark attacks. Like, And not those two things collectively, either of those things. So the number of people that die from a vending machine falling over on top of them is greater than the number of people who die from shark attacks annually on the planet. It's just that shark attacks find their way into the news. And there was this terrible PR incident known to most people as the 1975 movie Jaws that convinced several generations of movie watchers that sharks were bad. Da -da. Da -da. I remember seeing that movie for the first time. I was at a friend's house at a sleepover, and I'm embarrassed to say I was the only kid that couldn't watch it. I was too scared. And I remember sitting upstairs with his mom, chatting with his mom while all the other kids were watching the scary movie because that movie terrified me. Totally. And what's crazy is to this day, those two notes strike fear in the hearts of swimmers everywhere. Right. So what can what can we learn from this experience? Well, what we can learn is that sharks are completely misunderstood. But beyond that, how can we apply my experience on the water with the Beneath the Waves team to your business? Number one, make sure you take time to educate your customers. Austin and his team went out of their way to explain the importance of the work we were going to do, the validity of the work we were going to do, and our contribution to the overall scientific community's knowledge around sharks. So we were very vested in the role we were going to play as the customers. Number two, don't just tell your customers that you're committed and you love your product or your service. Show them by your actions. I'm not saying you have to dive out of a boat holding a camera into the ocean with a shark to show that you're committed. But let me tell you, after Sammy did that, there was no doubt that this guy was all in. Number three, make the interactions an experience. We could have learned about sharks via a PowerPoint presentation, and that would have been informative and interesting, and Austin and the other scientists clearly know their stuff. But getting out on the water, having an immersive experience, interacting with these magnificent creatures created something that I'm not only talking about on the podcast, but I'm going to be talking about for years to come. This is something I will never forget. So normally we don't do this on the show, but I have to say, I'd love it if you'd go check out this amazing organization. To learn more about the work being done by Austin and his team at Beneath the Waves, go check out their website, Beneath thewaves.org. And if you're so inclined, consider making a donation. We don't ask to do that with the nonprofits we talk about, but the work that these folks are doing to preserve ocean habitats is something that the entire planet benefits from. And these people are the real deal. Your donation, which ironically enough is a great tax write-off in the process, is going to go to education and research to help us learn more about sharks and the vital role they play in keeping the ocean as beautiful and majestic as possible. 
The ocean is one of the best experiences we have on the planet, and the folks that beneath the waves are doing their best to make sure that experience is accessible to not only the human beings, but to the animals in the ocean as well. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. Today's CX Press article can be found on the SmarterCX.com website. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, our sponsors. But they didn't tell us to put this article on. We found it on the site and wanted to talk about it on the show. Sammy Halabi, a former door-to-door salesperson who is now a member of Oracle's software sales department, wrote an article entitled, Don't Be a Good Salesperson, Be a Good Person. And no, contrary to popular belief, ladies and gentlemen, being a good person and being a salesperson are not mutually exclusive. I think that's a fancy way of saying that you can be a good person and a good salesperson. And Sammy's article will show you how. He begins noting that good salespeople focus on being good salespeople. They're transaction-minded. They seek to build rapport and make the sale. But exceptional salespeople focus on being good people. They're more relationship-minded. They act to understand, relate, and create a value-adding relationship with the customer. Absolutely. Sammy further draws the distinction between being good versus being exceptional by noting that good salespeople gather general company data from Google, LinkedIn, and Hoover's to determine the number of employees and company revenues, whereas exceptional salespeople learn the prospect's business, including their growth pains, their opportunities for growth, their competitor activities, their industry acquisitions, all the things that make up the story behind the story. And I just want to say, I did a presentation recently to some salespeople where I made this exact point. And it's basically what we talk about in marketing around personalization is that if you know your prospect's business or you know something about the person that you're selling to, you're much more likely to make a connection to them than just sending a cold email or making a cold phone call. The article goes on to say that good salespeople will search their internal systems to determine which products the prospect currently owns. But exceptional salespeople will step into the prospect's mind and choose to understand what annoys them and what they care about and how their product can fix it. Absolutely. And these distinctions between good and exceptional, while maybe sounding obvious, are not obvious in their application, right? I think all too often we run into good salespeople as opposed to exceptional salespeople. Good salespeople are the type of salespeople that focus on the quantity of prospect interactions. For example, you need to make 30 calls or send 30 emails every day, and they want you to be reaching out to prospects at all hours of the day. Whereas exceptional Exceptional salespeople focus on the quality of the interactions, personalizing each interaction, as Dan just mentioned, and really, you know, leading with what the prospect cares about while reaching out at strategic times, not all the time. So I think this is really interesting. And the distinction between, you know, being a good salesperson or an exceptional salesperson is an interesting way of framing it. But I think this comes down to what we often talk about on this show, which is that. When you can create an experience 
people are going to like you more and be more loyal to you. And there's no reason why that isn't different for a salesperson. I mean, look, having been on the other side, on the receiving side of many, many hundreds of sales emails, oftentimes clients look at salespeople with some amount of derision. They don't want somebody selling them. But when somebody walks in the door and says, hey, I can add value to your business and help you achieve your goals and make you look good in the process because I'm successful if you're successful, hey, that just stepped into my shoes and got my attention and makes me think that perhaps you are thinking about me as much as you're thinking about yourself. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, and I worked for many years in sales, and I think salespeople often get a bad rap, but it's often a rap that is well-deserved based on their behavior. Lots of times we find ourselves in a conversation with a salesperson where it feels like they've done the bare minimum of homework, that they're really more focused on hitting their quotas and selling the next widget, or at the very least being able to record that they had a prospecting visit instead of actually caring about the conversation. You know, the exceptional salesperson is the person who's going to focus on really making a significant impact on an individual prospect that they call on instead of saying, well, how many can I call on today? And we've talked about this before too, but I would add one, which is that an exceptional salesperson is one that's going to stay with the client through the handoff to the execution person or the customer success person rather than just jumping to the next sale and you know trying to make whatever their next quota is because when that handoff doesn't happen or isn't handled well the customer experience suffers because of it Absolutely. And you know, I am a big fan of making sure that the handoff is smooth and effective. You know, I, I often liken this to an analogy of running track, right? If you ever ran track and field or you watched it uh, on the Olympics or something like that, you know that as the baton is handed off, if the baton is dropped and hits the track, the team is disqualified. And I really wish there was a similar rule for disqualification in the world of business, that if the salesperson drops the handoff to the customer success person or the account services wrapper, whoever it is that's going to take this now newfound customer and make sure they get what they want out of the product or service they just purchased, if that drop happened, the relationship should just end. And the reality is often when it does, that's the impact it has on the relationship. So in terms of the CX Press article, I think there are a couple clear takeaways. Number one, good isn't enough anymore. You really need to be exceptional. This applies to every area of business, but particularly in the world of sales. Number two, making the switch from good to exceptional is actually fairly simple. There are going to be growing pains, but the ROI is incredible, and you will have much better relationships if you focus on being exceptional as opposed to being good. And finally, number three, you can continue to execute on kind of benchmark behaviors such as smile and dial and how many different things can we do to uh you know build our prospect list and you know make it a numbers game etc or you can focus on game changer behaviors that make you exceptional that make you stand out in the crowd personalized communications putting yourself in their shoes seeing their business from the perspective of the customer as opposed to from the perspective of the salesperson, which is how can I get your money? I don't know about you, but being exceptional sounds much more interesting and a much better experience than being just good. 
We spend hours and hours nose deep in books. We believe that everything you read influences the experiences you create. So we're happy to answer our favorite question. What are you reading? So, Joey, we haven't talked too much lately about what you have been reading. So what is on your reading list these days? Well, actually, Dan, if I'm totally honest, I've been reading and rereading and rereading various iterations of a new book called Never Lose a Customer Again, Turn Any Sale into Lifelong Loyalty in 100 Days. Wait a second. I think I've heard that somewhere. Isn't this your new book that's coming out in a few weeks? Yes, indeed, my friend. You are correct. After almost 20 years of consulting on creating remarkable experiences and giving speeches about it, I'm excited that the folks at Portfolio Penguin will be publishing my first book. Uh, very exciting times. It's The book is all about the importance of creating remarkable experiences early in the customer relationship so you can create a customer for life by having a really effective onboarding process. So one of the things the experience this show does not have, unfortunately, is sound effects, but I would be hitting the applause button right now. I am so excited to read it because uh, I have heard you speak and uh, I know the gist of what you talk about, but it is so incredibly important. And clearly, this is a topic that I like as well. So very, very excited. And so let's talk a little bit about this idea of focusing on the onboarding piece because uh, we we mentioned it a little bit in the last segment, but why is that such a key component of the experience? Well, I think it's because so many companies spend time whining and dining new prospects, trying to convince them to do business. And once they do, it's as if the chase is over and the results aren't as grand or as fulfilling as were promised. And in fact, in putting together the book, I did a bunch of research and found that most companies are losing somewhere between 20 and 70% of their new customers before the customer reaches their 100-day anniversary. It's absolutely shocking to me that companies spend so much time driving business, prospecting, filling the funnel, marketing, trying to convert leads, only to have these newly acquired customers refuse to stay. I mean, they're running out the back door as quickly as you've brought them in the front door because they don't feel the post-sale love. That's absolutely amazing. And we see how much money companies are spending on marketing and sales versus things like customer service or retention or customer experience. So realizing that, you know, you've got obviously an entire book devoted to your ideas about this and we don't have, you know, hours here. Give us a few key takeaways for our listeners so that it's kind of a preview of uh, what they're going to learn when they all go out and buy your book. Oh, that would be very nice. Okay, so a couple things. Number one, the first 100 days is the most important time period in the entire customer relationship. Across all industries around the world, uh, this time period, the beginning of the relationship is more dispositive to the lifetime value of the customer than any other time in the relationship. Number two, your customer has the chance to go through eight phases in the customer experience. And yet the typical business is only paying attention to maybe three or four of these. 
companies. Uh, number three, the enhanced onboarding experiences that I'm proposing uh, actually work for companies of all shapes and sizes. In the book, there are 46 case studies that range from solo entrepreneurs that'll do less than $100,000 in revenue to gigantic firms with tens of thousands of employees and billions in revenues, regardless of where your business falls on the scale of small or large, lots of revenues or very few revenues, uh, tons of employees or just a, a solo you know, entrepreneur, there are takeaways that you can apply. Your customer has this chance to experience you and the experience they have in this onboarding process is really what's going to make or break the relationship. And so the entire book is focused on how can we make these first hundred days as magical as possible? Okay. So you mentioned eight phases and that's really interesting. And I'm assuming that these are all really critical. And sort of the point is, is that if companies would be paying attention to more of them, then they'd have a better chance of keeping more customers in the first hundred days. So can you give us a brief overview of each of the eight phases and why they're important? Absolutely. So in the book, there is a separate chapter on each phase. And each chapter not only talks about emotionally what the customer is going through in that phase, but gives five or six examples of companies that are really world class and in making the interactions and the experiences that occur in that phase truly remarkable. But the phases break down as follows. Uh, phase one of the new customer journey is assess. This is when the customer is trying to figure out who they should do business with. They're they're looking at you. They're looking at their your competitors. They're looking at your number one competitor, which is doing nothing, right? Stasis, the status quo. And they're trying to decide what they want to do. When they make a decision, they go to phase two, admit. This is when they raise their hand and say, I have a problem. I believe that your product or service can solve and I want to do business with you. They then transition to phase three, affirm. In common parlance, this is the buyer's remorse stage. And what's fascinating to me is there isn't a business person on the planet that isn't familiar with the phrase buyer's remorse. Yet if you ask companies, what is your strategy to address buyer's remorse? Less than one in a hundred have a plan to do that. So there's a real opportunity here. We then move to phase four, activate. I call this phase activate because I really want you to feel like you're electrically charging and activating the relationship. This is the kickoff meeting. This is the unboxing experience when they first get your product if they've ordered it online, right? This is the first moment of truth or that first interaction they have with you where they get to see if what they were promised in the sales process actually lines up with the reality now that they're a customer. We then move to phase five, acclimate. This is where the company has a responsibility to hold the customer's hand while they get used to doing business with you, whether that's using your product or navigating through an implementation of a service. You need to help show them the way. And even though everything that was going to happen was in the contract or is in the instructions, we need to recognize that our customers don't read these things and we need to regularly be reminding them of what comes next. Then we come to phase six, accomplish. This 
this is where the customer accomplishes the goal that they had when they originally decided to purchase your product or service. And what's crazy about this is most businesses never even take the time to ask their customers what they're hoping to accomplish. They maybe make some guesses or some presumptions, but not only are they not sure, but they don't do anything to feed back to that customer when this happens that they've actually reached the finish line, the thing that they hoped for all along. Then we move to phase seven, adopt. This is when a customer who has accomplished their goal feels so good about your business that they say, I'm never going to do business with anyone else in this category other than you. I am a loyal supporter. I am in 100%. And then, and only then, do we move to phase eight, the holy grail, advocate, right? This is where they become a raving fan, referring all their friends and neighbors and colleagues to come do business with you. So across the eight phases, that's the potential that your customers have to do business with you and your opportunity to not only help them navigate those eight phases, but to hold their hand as they go through those processes. Okay. So I couldn't help but notice that all eight phases start with the letter A. Nothing gets by you, brother. Nothing gets by you. Exactly. They all start with A, which is kind of my own little way of saying that the goal should be to get straight A's, right? On your customer report card. This is really important and you need to be spending time in each of these eight phases. I love that. That that just sounds like you, Joey, too. As people are on, get straight A's, which, ladies and gentlemen, Joey did through every level of school all the way up to including. No, no, not every level. No, there are, li- there are listeners to our show that knew me in law school, and I was the 10% that made the 90% above me possible. So, no, not at all. Well, hey, uh, I know you too well to know that you would not uh, plug your own book on this show. So I am going to do it for you and with plug pleasure. Uh, Friends, listeners, colleagues, this is a book that you absolutely have to go out and buy. Uh, First of all, I've gotten to know Joey. uh, I mean, I've known Joey for a long time, but I've gotten to know him really well through this podcast. And he is truly one of the smartest guys I know in this space. And this is going to be a a major, major book that people in the CX space are going to be talking about. And I think you want to be part of this conversation. And the other thing is, it is, I mean, he has identified a unique space in this first 100 days that really allows you to dive deep and learn what you can do in a practical way as we try to deliver here on the show, you know, that you can bring back to your business fresh ideas, examples on how you too can create a remarkable customer experience like we talk about all the time. And finally, um, you know, by purchasing a copy right now, which is actually before the book comes out, we can help our friend Jelly pre-sell a bunch of copies of this book, which, you know, I think that he's going to be the first guy that I know that makes a bestseller list at New York Times, Wall Street Journal, whichever one it is, and you can help. So if you would be willing to do this, in fact, if you will just press pause on the recording right now, go ahead. Right now, we Joey and I will be standing by. I promise we will not go anywhere. We're going to wait for you. Head over to Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. You can even run over to your local bookstore. I mean, we may have to pause and you know, have a beverage or something and wait for you, but we will wait for you while you go out and buy an advanced copy of this book and help out our friend, Joey. My friend, you are too kind. I really appreciate the kind words. I appreciate the, uh, the, the ask for our customers. Cause you're right. I mean, I've, I put a lot of work into this book. I'm super excited about it. My goal is to really change 
the way people experience business on the planet. Uh, as we talk about a lot on the show, I think the bar for customer experience is lying on the ground. We do our best to highlight the positive customer experience stories and they are out there, but let's be candid. There are many more negative stories than positive. And what you'll find in this book is story after story of how to do it right and the positive examples that I really think a lot of people can adopt. And since folks would be, you know, if, if folks are so compelled and they want to go out and buy a copy of the book, I, first of all, I would be uh, eternally indebted and grateful for you doing that. But I want, I want to, since you're kind enough to ask, I want to sweeten the deal a little bit here. And uh, please, no one tell my publisher that I'm making this offer because they will go bonkers. But I don't know. Let's say for the first 20 people that go out and buy the book, uh, and maybe we'll do even more than that if, if, if I can figure out a way to sneak it around. Um, email me your receipt, right? So send an email to my personal email, joey at joeycoleman.com and share that you got the book and share with me your physical mailing address. And what I'm going to do is send you an advanced galley copy of the book the day I get your email. So you'll get a chance to read the book before any of your other friends in the CX space. And uh, I'd be happy to do that as kind of my little way of saying, thanks for being part of the club. Thanks for being a loyal listener. Thanks for being in the in crowd. And, and thanks for contributing your support and helping me to move a lot of these books pre-launch. This is what matters to publishers and the folks that do the list and getting bookstores to order more copies. It's when they see that there's a groundswell of people that are interested in a book. So getting out there and buying it, having your friends buy some copies, that would that would. So mean the that is to awesome me. that you have extra galley copies. And for people that don't know what that is, it's basically an advanced copy that usually is reserved for media people, reviewers, you know, so that you have people talking about the book uh, in advance of it coming out. And not generally are they reserved for uh, the Joe Schmoes or I guess I should say the Joey Schmoes. Oh, can't believe <laughs> I was there. Oh, see what he did there, folks. But this is like, seriously, this is some secret access that is not available to the general public. Yeah. And it, this is not an offer I'm making across the board. In fact, it's just something that I'm compelled to do because you were kind enough to say so many nice things, Dan. Um, but I'm all about the secret access and the fact that membership should have its privileges to pull from that famous credit card, uh, tagline or, you know, motto or ad. Uh, but I believe that the awesome fans that are on our show and listen to our show deserve something special. So I wanted to give you some secret access and I'm supposed to be saving these advanced copies for, special people. And guess what? All of you that listen to the experience of this show are special people and you deserve special access. And Dan's asking you to do me a favor. And I want to return that favor by giving you early access to the book. So you're our most loyal fans. We want to give you the best experience we can. And I, I, I know it's a little bit self-serving, but I, I really believe that this book is going to help you. I believe it's going to help you get the other people in your company to buy into creating these type of experiences. And, you know, my goal is to really contribute to the customer experience conversation uh, that so many of my friends and colleagues like Dan and others that we featured on the show have done. And so this is my attempt to kind of join in. And that Joey has been kind enough to share some snippets of the book with me. And I can 
can tell you as a guy that's been talking about customer experience and customer service for years, this is going to be an amazing book. I cannot wait, Joey, to read the rest of it. I am looking forward to my own signed copy that I will put on my special shelf of uh, signed books that I value uh, quite a bit. So ladies and gentlemen, go out there, buy Joey Coleman's book. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you find fine books and send your receipt to joey at joeycoleman.com. And you too can get your advanced galley copy only for listeners of the experience this show. Listen in while we try to stump and surprise each other with a fantastic statistic from the worlds of customer experience and customer service. It's time to check out this number. This week's number is another range, Dan. This time, it's 25 to 100%. What do you think it refers to? I I have to say I'm kind of stumped on this one because 25 to 100%, that's like almost the entire spectrum. I'm I'm kind of wondering like what's not included. (laughs) The the one one to 24% is not included. Actually, what this range refers to is the fact that a mere 5% increase in customer retention can lead to an increase in profits of between 25 and 100%. This comes from a few places, including independent research by Bain & Company, along with Earl Sasser of the Harvard Business School. Yeah, I mean, this makes all the sense in the world to me. And I've heard stats like this before, but maybe not expressed in the same way. But it is always going to be less expensive to keep your current customers than it is to acquire new ones. And those current customers uh, are going to spend more over a longer period of time. And many, many companies face the old leaky bucket problem, which is that they may be bringing in lots of new customers, but there's too many of them leaving every year and getting away. And so I think that this is a really important stat to keep in mind and bring to your CFO when he's pushing you to sell more. Tell him, hey, Maybe we should focus on the customers we have. Absolutely. Small, small improvements in retention lead to very large increases in profits. You can learn more important stats like these when you sign up for the Smarter CX newsletter published by Oracle just once a month. They're not going to be flooding your already full inbox, folks. This newsletter is a quick and easy read that shares great stats, uh, expert insights, and links to fantastic articles like the one we referenced earlier in the episode. Uh, this all comes from our great friends and sponsors of the experience this show, Oracle CX Woo! Cloud. Go check them out. Uh, and don't forget, go to the special URL to check them out, uh, smartercx.com slash experience this. Wow. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This. This.